Hi, it's Melissa Moore, and welcome to Mile High Magazine. We appreciate you joining us on this Sunday morning and looking forward to our conversation today with Danny Gillity, the Executive Director of the Eating Disorder Foundation. Good morning, Danny. Good morning. Thanks so much for having us this morning. Well, thank you so much for being here. You know, one of the things we wanted to talk about was the fact that we've seen that eating disorders have gone up 113% during the pandemic. And so we want to get to that because that is kind of some shock Shocking news. But first, let's talk a little bit about the Eating Disorder Foundation and what you do. Sure. Thank you. Um, Yeah, those numbers that you mentioned are quite staggering. Um, So we are a nonprofit based in Denver, and we provide free support services to the community. Since the pandemic, we have now gone national, which has been one of the silver linings that we've seen come out of this, providing support now to people around the country and around the world, actually. Um, So we have a wide range of support groups that meet throughout the week, all virtual at this point, Mm -hmm. with the exception of one in-person group that we've been able to just do this summer being outside and really still creating that safe environment. Um, So we have our support groups, and then we have an education program. We have a mentorship program. So just doing what we can in the community to provide connection and support to individuals as well as their family and friends to help them, um, to help guide them along this really, really difficult journey. And it is a difficult journey. For folks that maybe have just heard of like anorexia, uh, talk about what eating disorders are. Sure, yeah. So eating disorders are typically um, very serious. They're complex and potentially very life-threatening. Um, and they're mental illnesses. Some people don't realize that, but they are. And they're characterized by disturbances in behaviors, thoughts, and attitudes to food, eating, body weight, or shape. Mm-hmm. Um, and a definition that actually really relates to me, that one that is not as common, um, Carolyn Costin, who is a clinician and an author, she says um, that they are a struggling will. An insecure feeling and despair may manifest themselves in problems with care and feeding of the body but are fundamentally a problem with care and feeding of the soul. So we can really look at them in many different ways, um, but we are still trying to learn and really understand what causes them. So it's just a very complex uh, mental illness. That is a really powerful definition when you say care and feeding, yes, of the body, but of the soul. Yeah, yeah. And that's one I think that we're, you know, we're really trying to understand what is underneath You know, they're not really about the food, and I think we forget that. But what is the struggle? What is the eating disorder serving? What purpose is it serving Mm -hmm. for you right now? And how can we deal with that so you can find different coping mechanisms and different ways to deal with the challenges and stresses and traumas and all of these things so many people face? What are some of the things that you're finding are underlying, I don't want to say causes, because we're talking about a mental illness. I don't know if it's the issues or it's it's hard for me to know exactly how to phrase that. But what are some of those things that you're seeing and finding? Sure. You know, um, somebody can be really depressed and then they find they can use their eating disorder as a coping mechanism to that anxiety, trauma, different things. What we're seeing now with the pandemic, it's a lot of isolation. 
um, eating disorders thrive in isolation as is. And then all of a sudden, the last year and a half, we've been telling people to stay home, isolate, keep distance from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that that's how people sustain their eating disorders mm-hmm. oftentimes, is creating separation from the people in their lives, the people that love them most. Um, and so it's been such a difficult time for many people, whether mm-hmm. they have a mental illness or not, but it's right. kind of been like a breeding ground of the last year and a half during COVID for individuals who are struggling. And why is that? Why is that isolation such a key part of this? Yeah, we see that it's just in order to maintain and kind of keep up with your eating disorder, it is hard to do that in relationships. Because we know that if you see somebody who's really struggling and you care about them, you are going to, you know, our goal is that you confront them and you talk to, that, uh, talk to them about it right. in a really kind, compassionate way. But oftentimes people don't want to be in those social settings. They don't want to be in situations where, you know, the conversation or you're having a meal together, or what you're doing. So oftentimes they retreat. They really just spend time alone. They feel like that is how... They can be with their eating disorder. They can keep the eating disorder knows actually that that's how it mm-hmm. will thrive. If right. they can, you know, the eating disorder is in control here. It's not the person. And it's the probably the secret too, the shame, the secret and keeping exactly. that all, keeping that all at bay from others. Exactly. The shame and stigma is such a big piece to this. Um, and we've seen people, you know, who were further along in their recovery and then COVID comes along and it just kind of, creeps right back in there. And so at any time when the system is feeling more fragile, you know, the eating disorder can find ways to come back in. So Mm -hmm. the shame, the stigma, that's why we appreciate what you're doing here is allowing opportunity to talk about things. So people understand that if they are struggling, they can reach out, they can contact someone, they can start the conversation because that is the piece, um, the foundation that we really are trying to get behind of just like, there's no shame and let's have these conversations. Talk to me about some of the different eating disorders that, that you see. Yeah, so some of the common ones that, you know, you even mentioned anorexia, um, bulimia, actually the most common eating disorder that people aren't really aware of is binge eating disorder. Mm. And then there's other things um, such as ARFID and orthorexia, where ARFID um, is avoidant restrictive food intake disorder. And that is more around sensory issues, um, which often start in childhood, which is aversion to food or the sensory feel of food. Um, And that's actually something that presents itself without shape or weight concerns Mm. or something like orthorexia that we actually see a lot of in Colorado. Um, And it describes a person's eating disorder behaviors where they try to, you know, they'll only eat food that they deem as healthy Mm. um, and they kind of eliminate anything else from their diet and uh, obsession with exercise to the point where it really takes over that they're not able to, um, their normal day-to-day functioning. It gets in the way of their social relationships and work, you know, in that capacity as well. Um, Where then they're not nutritionally, they're depriving themselves from a full range of nutrition. So we see a lot of their different types of eating disorders. Um, There's not one size fits all. And we see that eating disorders don't discriminate at all. They, you know, it doesn't matter how old you are, the size of your body, your gender identity, your sexuality, cultural background. So no one is immune, unfortunately. And I thought it was interesting. You talked about, you know, our culture here in Colorado is very healthy. 
and working out. And I know several people whose diet is so restrictive because of, like you said, what they deem as unhealthy. Exactly. And it's easy to get caught up in that, you know, like um, all the different fads that are going along, the diet fads and, you know, most people aren't gluten intolerant, but they eat a gluten-free diet, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, all these different things that people can get attached to just because that's what everybody else is doing or as a culture or society says, like, this is how you should be eating. Um, and we're here to debunk that, that there are no good foods, bad foods, healthy, unhealthy. You know, there is a time and a place for everything and balance in your life. And how can we help create that? Um, but we do live in a culture here where it's very present. Um, and so it can be really hard if you're struggling. How do you teach something like that when someone has been conditioned for so long that these are good foods, these are bad foods, this is what I will eat, this is what I won't eat? What's that process yeah. like? I mean, it's just, you know, a lot of education. And just as we kind of said earlier, of just having these conversations getting into schools, getting in front of young kiddos who are in the, you know, the beginning of forming their relationship to food and body, of letting them see that there are other options. Um, How can you live a really well-rounded life and not become, you know, laser focused on this one piece of who you are. Mm -hmm. And so just building self-esteem and self-awareness, I think is really, really important when it comes to eating disorders and eating disorder recovery. So let's talk about that recovery. What does that look like for folks that are struggling right now and and probably maybe are having that light bulb moment of, wow, maybe I do have an issue and I need to reach out and get help. What do they do and what does that recovery look like? Yeah. So one thing they can do right away is reach out to us. Um, We will help build, you know, outpatient teams for people Beyond our support services that are community-based, we really encourage individuals to have a team. So a therapist, a dietitian, a psychiatrist, a medical doctor, whatever else they need in order to sustain and work towards recovery. So we help, you know, resource navigation of just finding what insurance you have and finding the right people to help you um, work towards that. And then if somebody is needing more care, there are different treatment centers around the country. We have some amazing treatment centers right here in Denver that you can go inpatient and be somewhere working towards your recovery, getting healthy. So it is something that they can reach out to us and we can help navigate them um, and finding really what's best for them because there's not um, – Sometimes you have to try a few different things to figure out what's really going to work. But I think what's really important to mention is that recovery is possible. That's like if that's the only thing someone hears from, you know, our chat today, Mm -hmm. um, that it is possible and there is hope. And sometimes I think the work at the foundation is like our job is just to hold the hope for people when they don't feel it themselves. Um, cause it can be a long road, right? It's possible. Well, and I think yeah. that is a huge message to get out there. And I know you also do a mentorship program. Is that right? Yes, we do. We do. So, um, our mentorship program has really taken off nationally, which has been really exciting. So if you don't live right here in Denver, it is something you can still be part of. And it's a 10 week program where we pair people who are further along in their recovery mm-hmm. with people who are really just needing some extra support right now. Um, and it's a le- you know, it's more personal in that their ment- the mentor can share their own story and their own journey as a way to um, inspire and support the person who's really in the trenches right now. 
but it's the one-on-one, which, you know, mm-hmm. our support groups are amazing. Sometimes there can be 15 people in a room and that can be really overwhelming for people. So the mentor gives, you know, the mentorship program really provides the more direct connection, which oftentimes we know can be incredibly healing. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, that yeah. one-on-one, that accountability, relatability. Um, so that's exactly. the mentorship program. What are some of the the groups that you have going on right now? Because you said a lot of those are virtual, and I know it's yep. grown this past year. Yes. So we have added so many different support groups to the schedule. As I said, all virtual besides the one that's meeting in person, but a wide range of different groups. Um an adolescent group that has really taken off this year. And once again, highlighting these different age demographics that are really struggling right now. An adolescent group, um, we started a trans and non-binary group, a BIPOC group. And what's really fascinating is um, through COVID, we've started a group for individuals 50 and older. Um, and it's now our most popular group. Wow. just highlights that this again affects everyone and oftentimes it's really hard for individuals who are older to want to um you know go to treatment or get help because they feel like how am i still dealing with this or have their own story of shame around the fact that they're in their 50s and they're really still still struggling so providing space for them has been um remarkable so this 50 plus group you know, who would have guessed is now our busiest, most popular group. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, when you said that, the first thing I thought is I would have guessed teens would have been the most popular group, not the 50 plus. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, people, some people, their onset is later in life, even there are different triggers that happen and they might, you know, start dealing with an eating disorder in their mid thirties or early forties. There, there's no rhyme or reason. And for others, they, yes, they started when they're in their teens and they're still struggling into their fifties. But life now as a 50-year-old with a family potentially and kids and a spouse, you know, you need different kind of support. Sure. So we're so happy that we've been able to provide that space um, for those individuals. Yeah. Danny Gillity, the executive director of the Eating Disorder Foundation. Uh, thank you for talking with us. For folks that want more information and to connect with you, what is the first thing they need to do? Yeah, they can just reach out. Um, is it okay if I give you our website Absolutely. Here? Please do. So it's www.eatingdisorderfoundation.org or our phone number is 303-322-3373. Um, And they can just reach out and just have a conversation the way you invited me to do this today with you. That's how I just want to invite people to reach out for a conversation. And let's just see where you are and start with where you are. Um, Absolutely. I love it. No shame in making that phone call. Just reach out and talk to someone. Exactly. Danny, thank you so much for your time today. Really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm Melissa Moore. It is Mile High Magazine. For more information, you can always go to your radio station's website. You can also share this podcast on your social media. But thank you so much for joining us on this Sunday. Have a blessed day. Be kind to everyone. And I'll see you next Sunday.